0: I'm Mario Munoz reporting for The Rio Grande Guardian. Recently, at a reception held in Westlaco, Representative Terry Canales told us about serving as chairman of the House Committee on Transportation during the 86th Texas Legislative Session. Canales told us it
1: was hard work. This is what it sounded like. This is Steve Taylor for the Rio Grande Guardian. We're in Westlaco, Texas. There's been a reception this evening at the UTRGV Center for Innovation and Commercialization. The reception has been put on by the Rio Grande Valley Partnership, working with UTRGV, and the reception is to honour our state legislative delegation that's been working so hard for the last five months, the first five months of the uh, of the year, up in Austin uh, for the 86th legislative session. All of the uh, state representatives and senators have been honored today, and we're here with Terry Canalis, representative for District 40, who is chairman of the Transportation Committee, one of the most important committees in the uh, house. Uh, Terry, obviously you're obviously so pleased to be back home.
0: I'm extremely pleased to be back home with my family and my wife and kids. Um, it's, Gru- it's a gruelling session? It was gruelling it's it's the hardest one I've done in, in the last you know, eight years This I'm, I'm still reeling from it uh, you know, 15, 16 hour days were the norm for 150 days
1: And it, was it most gruelling because of that chairmanship?
0: Absolutely uh, being the chair makes you the linchpin of every bill that's filed in your committee, uh, you have to know every single bill, there was over 300 bills filed in my committee um, and the idea that um, you know, being a chair is it's a duty that most people don't understand until you're there, and what it means is that you've got to be able to manage expectations uh, while while maintaining relationships, uh, and, you know, the House is not made to pass bills, and so when you when people feel that you're the person who held their bill or killed it, and that's probably the reality, being able to quell that anger and mo- move forward um, is is definitely a challenging task, but also formulating the policy for Texas infrastructure as for the next biennium is absolutely... Crucial in making sure that the, those policies for text and/or statewide policies uh, are not only benefit the public at large, but are uh, makes us. Uh Conservative stewards of our tax dollars and making sure that we're doing the right thing and getting the
1: most bang for our buck. Um, with regard to transportation, which bills uh, pleased you most that, that, that got passed? You know, there, there was a myriad of bills
0: with with respect to transportation, but the ones that that, we, that I carried that made it a lot easier for TechStock to function when with respect to their procurement process, uh, with their bid process. Um, one of the hardest bills that I dealt with, which was not filed by me, but I ended up carrying, was salt a, a decade-old or more problem with the restriction on billboards and the heights that they can use, you would never imagine uh, how... I guess the intense the fight was and the negotiating that took place uh, that I had to mediate for the parties and ultimately carry the bill that I did not author uh, was probably some of the, I guess, most unseen work that I'm most proud of because uh, the the parties, that, obviously you have the billboard industry and you have uh, people such as Scenic Texas who have starkly different views and billboards are part of our society and is, as innocuous or inane as somebody might think, uh, the fight was real and it was over a billion-dollar industry. In addition to that, I carried the Houston port bills, uh, which regulated two-way traffic, um, which was a huge problem. The the, the port of Houston owns the container business, and they're using the new supersized tankers, which would stop two-way traffic for eight hours at a time, basically bringing the oil and gas industry to a halt, uh, which means... uh, devastating, devastating losses for the oil and gas industry, which is one of the largest contributors to our economy. I carried those port bills, which basically puts the, the Port of Houston in check and allows industry the same rules, regulations, and, and freedoms that the port would have moving their own product. And so um, those are just to touch on a few, but um, the, the, it was, you know, I'm extremely grateful for the speaker to give me the opportunity, and I look forward to serving in that capacity now that I've truly got cut my teeth
1: and understand the process of being the chair a lot better. Closer to home, one of the bills that would have gone through your committee was from uh, your colleague, Mondo Martinez, the one that set up this um, sort of rail district or transit uh, district, allowing, allowing the valley to have a, a district for um, other forms of transportation rather than just uh, trucks and cars. The reality is this. The valley
0: is growing by leaps and bounds, and we've got great necessities from infrastructure to uh, economic uh, drivers. And the infrastructure is necessary to continue the growth. If we do not have the plan and or the resources and or the wherewithal to create and continuing to facilitate the growth of infrastructure, that includes intermodal transportation. That means car, rail, plane, all the way across the board, which TxDOT uh, has jurisdiction over, which my committee holds sway over the, the uh, ten billion dollars that they get annually. And so uh, Mondo's bill is, is um, is a precursor and shows the foresight that Representative Martinez has, knowing that the Rio Grande Valley uh, is is on the cusp of even more explosive growth, and having the ability to move people to and from their homes, to and from their jobs, and to and from the, or, or the universities that they're attending is absolutely pertinent to the success of our entire community. Uh, and I'm going to look forward to working with him on not only pre- creating those those opportunities, but making sure that the
1: resources there to to carry out what the dream is. And another big transportation development while you were in session, the leadership in the valley came together and agreed, let's have one metropolitan planning organization. I saw the photos of you there when the governor signed that agreement into law. Um, but I haven't read too much coverage from yourself on your thoughts on that.
0: Well, can I get an amen first? Because amen, we've actually accomplished uh, one of the greatest feats that we didn't believe. And since I've been in the legislature, this is something that's been on the forefront of not only the delegation uh, but uh, one of the first issues that the senator you know Hosa brought to me saying we need to work on this so I worked in the trenches with the senator uh, we held various meetings with with stakeholders and putting this together uh, was a multi-party uh, united effort uh, you know you said that you don't mention I, somebody said you know I didn't hear you mention you know the, and I think Henry Ford says it best it's 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 unbelievable what you can accomplish when you don't need to take questions for it, and I don't take credit uh, for for the merger itself because it was so many people involved, but uh, it was definitely something that I've been working on with my delegation for quite some time, and this isn't about anybody getting their name in the paper, this is about moving South Texas forward as a region and making sure we've got the transportation dollars to facilitate the infrastructure needs that we need going forward, and this gives us a seat at the table, and that's what really
1: matters, not, not recognition. And I understand in August, uh, TechStop will have a meeting in Austin where they'll agree their you. My unified Transportation Plan, and the Valley stands ready. This new MPO, you know, is could could potentially get a lot more funding. There's no question that it'll get more funding. The qu- the question is how much more
0: funding. Now, in addition to that, the the unified uh, 10-year plan, where I was just met with Senator Inojosa today, uh, with respect to some of the infrastructure projects that have been uh, that are some somewhat tenuous, but we're making sure, such as Highway 365, uh, the uh, IBTC corridor, those things that tr- those things that connect our our inland ports to the infrastructure to move the truck traffic around and make it more efficient. This isn't just a a stateish about a Rio Grande Valley issue or a state issue. It's a national issue. The city of Far, for example, that port in it, in and of itself could, had over 35 billion dollars in produce trade alone. It's the largest exporter inland port for oil and gas to another country. That's just one. That's one port. If you look at the inland and seaports statewide, they are some of the largest contributors to the state economy, national economy. They, in essence, sometimes feed our country, not literally and figuratively. The reality is this, is that they contribute so much to our economy, and they're also disproportionately used, meaning there's more use of truck traffic, there's more use of traffic on those roads, but we don't give them a disproportionate amount of transportation dollars. So basically what we're doing is neglecting the income-producing part our state. Somebody can say, well, oil and gas produces a lot. Yes, but without the ports, the oil and gas stays in the ground. If the ports don't move efficiently, our economy doesn't move efficiently. It's imperative that Texas begins to reformulate the allocation of transportation dollars annually to build out the infrastructure necessary to keep the Texas economy moving the way
1: it should be. So that sounds like that's um, an an initiative that you'd like to see Texas perhaps isn't doing enough of at the moment and it's got to put more focus on that.
0: I would, I would use the analogy, anybody in the real estate business knows, you put your money where your income producing properties are. Well, the ports are income producing property and they move the oil and gas product that, that, that keeps our state vibrant. The reality is this, we've got to invest in our ports and the infrastructure that surrounds them. We can't let communities such as FAR who have no direct connection to an interstate other than driving light by light through town, uh, suffer. It's The, the reality is it's, 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 it's almost insulting and it's downright derelict for us to not have a connection to one of the largest inland ports that feeds the nation, not far not the state, the nation and so when we realize uh, we're building cathedrals of, of, of expressways in Dallas and Houston, but the, but the what's driving those economies are these ports to be able to export and import we need to put our money in the smart place and that means making sure that these areas are truly outfitted and that also means working with our neighbors across, for instance Mexico we can't bottleneck a port, and so we could build out all the infrastructure on our side. But if Mexico, our neighbor, our biggest trade partner for the state of Texas, doesn't have the same infrastructure, it's of no use. These are initiatives that are they they're multinational, bilateral agreements that could create a huge boom for the econ for the economy of Mexico, the United States, and Texas as a state and as a region. What I can tell you is this. That may be, if Mexico and the United States collaborated, it might solve some of the necessity for people to come to the United States looking for work if we just focused on building out our ports. For Representative Terry Canales of Edinburgh, this was his first session as Chairman of the House Committee on Transportation. And that's what it sounded like.